Welcome to Rise Up in Business, the law podcast for small business owners. I'm your host, Tracy Mylacrane. I'm a business lawyer, an entrepreneur, and very much a realist. Rise Up in Business is designed to share with small business owners important legal information and some clever tips and tricks in short and sharp episodes, no legal jargon. With this podcast, I want to empower small business owners to rise up and take control in their business. I'll be here every Wednesday to tell you what you need to know without sending you to sleep. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of the Rise Up in Business podcast. I am so happy to have you joining me for today's episode. I'm receiving some beautiful feedback from my listeners, which really is making my heart sing with joy. I've got to be honest. I am all about educating and empowering small business owners to rise up and take control in their business, quite literally. And so it really warms my heart when people contact me to say thank you because they're finding my episodes so helpful and so valuable and helping them choose next steps in their business or pivot their direction so that they know that they're doing the right thing. So thank you. I really do appreciate that feedback. In today's episode, I want to talk about retreats. This has been something that I've wanted to talk about for a while, but because we're living in, let's say, very uncertain times this past 12 to 18 months, retreats haven't been something that people have been able to offer for obvious reasons. But that hopefully seems to be changing and we do have more and more business owners being able to go ahead with their retreats. And for me, fingers crossed, I have a retreat to go on end of August and absolutely cannot wait. So fingers crossed that that can happen. And I know many people are in the same position. So business owners who are hosting the retreat and business owners who are wanting to go on the retreat. So today I want to dive in and talk about retreat terms and conditions and other important protections because what has become clear to me since I started my business a couple of years ago is business owners who run retreats don't know that they actually need protections by way of terms and conditions for those retreats. And not having those in place can create very uncomfortable and awkward situations when participants who either want to register or have register and circumstances have changed and they want to withdraw, for example, it can create really awkward situations when that happens when you don't have terms and conditions because you, if you don't have terms and conditions, don't have a legal leg to stand on if somebody's asked for their money back even though you may not want to give them back their money because you've invested or you've incurred your costs or it's coming off your profit. But what it does to that relationship and what it does to that person who's obviously reached out to ask, for example, for that refund, can be significant. It can be very detrimental. And I've had a couple of clients in that position. And indeed, I speak from experience. I've been in that position myself when circumstances changed and I needed to ask for a refund because I wasn't able to attend and it did become very awkward and uncomfortable because the particular person who I was going to the retreat with didn't have terms and conditions so there was nothing to guide us. So that's why I think this is really important and again we don't know what we don't know. So the intention of this episode is to assist in sharing what it is we need to know as business owners when we're going to host a retreat. So as we all know, retreats can be really wonderful for allowing us to connect more with our clients, more with our audience, with the greater community by inviting people in 
to attend our retreats where we really can create some special times and some special experiences for our participants. But of course, that's only going to occur or that can only be facilitated if the experience is positive for everybody. And as you've heard me say a lot, managing the expectations of both parties from the outset can go a very long way to ensuring that positive experience. And that is absolutely vital in the sense of a retreat. When we're dealing with retreats, they're often, as you know, at a set location. We've often got other people's expenses, other people, third-party providers or people coming in or chefs, accommodation and things like that, that we need to factor in. So there's lots of parties being involved. So the sooner we set tailored, waterproof terms and conditions for the retreat, the easier it is for everybody to navigate through the experience. So what are retreat terms and conditions? Well, simply put, they're terms and conditions that relate to the retreat that you're offering. So they can either be standalone retreat terms and conditions, or they can be part of another course or program. So I have some clients that offer a retreat as a part of a mastermind or as a part of a coaching program. But I have other clients who offer retreats as one-offs. So people can simply purchase their spot in the retreat. The retreat terms and conditions need to set out all of the inclusions and the exclusions for the retreat. So if accommodation is included, that needs to be particularised. If you're not including travel expenses and insurance, for example, that needs to be set out. How much food's included? Is alcohol included? Are there other activities that are part of the retreat, like yoga and Pilates and dinners and lunches? What's included and what's not? Sounds obvious, but it can be easily overlooked. The next thing we need to be sure that we cover in our retreat terms and conditions is disclaimers around what it is you're promising. So you're offering an experience, you're offering an opportunity for participants to engage in certain activities, seminars, talks, presentations, whatever it might be. But again, what are you not offering? You're not promising specific results for either personal life or career prospects or business outcomes. So this is not a situation where you're saying to your participants, if you come and do my retreat, you'll hit your first 50k month, for example, or you'll land that dream job. You're offering people the opportunity to come and attend, but we need to be clear that we're not offering or we're not guaranteeing a particular outcome. And believe it or not, that's actually important because it is not uncommon for people to become disgruntled with these types of things, particularly when the experience, whether it's the course or the retreat, doesn't meet the expectations and the person's not left in a position that they thought they'd be in. So it's just really important to make sure that this is outlined in really crystal clear terms in the retreat terms and conditions so that there can be no confusion. We need to make sure that it's really clear who's liable for what. Ultimately, we want to make sure that legally people are taking responsibility for themselves and that you're not going to be liable for somebody's actions or inactions, particularly when we're talking about things like yoga or hiking or if we've got a dinner and there's alcohol involved, you don't want to be responsible if somebody acts in a certain way and other people become disgruntled. We want to make sure that we don't even need to go down this path and so liability is a really important clause in our retreat terms and conditions to protect you and your business when you're hosting retreats. 
A big one always is our refund and our cancellation policy. Now, I touched on this at the beginning, and most hosts, well, all hosts, have different views and different positions in relation to refunds. Some don't offer refunds under any circumstances, and it's no cancellation because they're investing and they're putting deposits down and things like that, so they don't want to be out of pocket. Others are so confident, in fact, in their retreats that they have wait lists, and so they very openly say that it's not our responsibility if you need to cancel, but if we have a wait list, then we will certainly swap it out and and give you back your deposit and whatever it is you've paid, and we'll bring somebody in, the next person on the wait list. And that certainly offers a lot of peace of mind for participants when they're considering purchasing or or enrolling in your retreat, knowing if things change down the track, this retreat host has a wait list, so there's every chance I'll be able to swap that out. Things like that need to be considered when we're considering our refund and our cancellation policy, and it's vital that that's outlined to participants before they take the plunge and invest in coming along on your retreat. It's also really important to outline in those terms and conditions what happens if the participant cancels during the retreat. That's a really important one because, as I said a moment ago, sometimes expectations aren't met. Hopefully it's not you. Hopefully this doesn't happen. But from time to time, despite best efforts, it does happen. Sometimes participants' expectations aren't met and they do cancel partway through the retreat. So that's okay, provided they know that there is a no refund or a no cancellation policy. And if they choose to leave halfway through, that you're not responsible for refunding the balance of the money. For example, if that's your position, it does need to be outlined. And again, what I always say in relation to any documentation and any business terms, including retreat terms, we need to make sure we have a dispute resolution clause included so that the parties know the process that they do need to go through in the event that a dispute does arise and expectations become misaligned or one party becomes disgruntled. Because as you've heard me say so many times before, in my experience, a really well-drafted dispute resolution clause can go a long way to avoiding parties being involved in a lengthy and often unpleasant dispute process. And just finally, something else that's really important that people often overlook in my experience is photography and confidential information clauses. So it's best to get the consent from your participants to appear in any photographer you take to use for your marketing or social media purposes and to ensure that they're comfortable knowing that the information they provide you and share at these retreats will be treated as confidential if indeed that's something that's relevant and important to you and your business. So there we go. I hope that's been helpful. I'm wholly supportive of retreats. I think they really are a brilliant way to increase interaction and experiences in your business. And I think that they're fabulous if you do them properly. And part of that is having proper retreat terms and conditions in place to outline, in fairness, to your participants what your policies are and what happens in the event that their circumstances change. So if any of this is resonating with you or something's jumping out here and you've got some questions, feel free to reach out. As always, that's what I'm here for. I hope you found this helpful and I'll catch you next time. 